Welcome to It's a Good Life, a podcast dedicated to helping you live your best one. Here's your host, Brian Buffini. Well, top of the morning to you, and welcome to It's a Good Life. I'm your host, Brian Buffini. And today, we're going to encourage you to be like a Timex. That's right, the watch, the Timex. You know, these guys have been around a long time. In the mid-1800s, they combined European clockmaking and American ingenuity and brought clocks to the world. And in the 1960s, when they launched their classic wristwatch, which I'm holding in my hot little hand here, it started its ad campaign. And it was one of the all-time great marketing slogans, which is Timex, takes a licking and keeps on ticking. And if anything is a great illustration of the good life, it's this. I also like the fact that it's classy looking, it's nice. This one costs $40, and I have a couple of expensive watches, but I really like this one, <laughs> and so because it's a reminder to keep persevering. What a great marketing campaign these guys launched. They were just years ahead of themselves. They ran ads and they did uh, TV commercials. So, for example, they, had, uh, they put the wristwatch on the claw of a lobster to see if it could break loose of the wristband, and it couldn't. And then they taped it onto the baseball bat of Mickey Mantle, the most famous Yankee of the times. And they taped the wristwatch on there, and Mickey's taking his swings and hitting the ball out of the yard. And the, hey, here it is, takes a licking and keeps on ticking. They show the camera still ticking. One of my favorite ads, I got into this, as I'm prone to do, one of my favorite ads was they put it on a motor of a motorboat and put it in a water tank, and then they tied it to one of the propellers and turned on the motorboat, and the water's going, whatever. And this is one of these old 60s black and white commercials, and it's flying through, and of course, what happens? The watch falls off, goes to the bottom of the tank, and it's live TV. And the commentator's like, well, if you look on the bottom of the tank, you'll see the watch is still in there. And then they had another fella, and he shot the Timex into a, a hockey net with the hockey stick. And then another fella, an archer, and he put the Timex on the end of his bow. And my favorite was they had a rock diver, and he was a world champion. He goes up, I don't know how far, maybe 100 feet in the air, and jumps off these cliffs. Those are the cliff divers in Mexico. And he has the watch around his fist, and he goes into the water like this, bang! And he climbs up out of the water, and he shows it to the cameraman, and the watch is still working takes a licking and keeps on ticking. One of the later ones they did was in the 80s, and they had two sumo wrestlers. And again, these guys must have had a blast putting these things together. Another part about being like a Timex is have a bit of fun. They tape the watch to the bellies of the sumo wrestlers and then have the two wrestlers slam into one another and then pull back and the watch is still working. Takes a licking, keeps on ticking. So Timex, it's reliable, it's good value, and they had a bit of fun. Well, who doesn't want to be those three things? And so today, I want to talk to you about how to be like a Timex. I want to be like a Timex. And on the days I'm not feeling it, I'll throw off my expensive Cartier watch and throw on the old $40 Timex. As a little reminder, hang in there, Bri. Suck it up. Get her done. Have a bit of fun. Be of good cheer. Be of good value and be reliable, you know? So, Here's what Be Like a Timex is all about. First of all, here it is in the It's a Good Life formula. You're going to take a licking. It's life. It's not always simple. It's not always easy. It's not always comfortable. Next, you got to keep on ticking. You got to keep on ticking one foot in front of the other, one foot in front of the other. And then I'm going to give you a few how-tos, how to keep on ticking. So that's what we're going to cover today. 
so we can be like a Timex. So first of all, you're going to take a licking. I mean, I know you know that. And I know you're looking, you know, some of you are out for a walk with your dog right now, listening to this podcast. You're driving on your way to work or an appointment or maybe you're working out. A lot of people listen to the podcast in a lot of different ways. But um, life is good, but life is hard. I never promised you a rose garden. Life is good. That's the philosophy I believe in. I think that's a philosophy a lot of people believe in. But our comfort is sold to us 24-7. Comfort, ease, no stress. You know, here's the thing. If you have no stress, you're, you have no stress when you're dead. You know, if you're laying in a coffin, you have no stress. No stress on your body. No stress on your mind. You're dead. So what we don't want is an overindulgence in stress. What we don't want is anxiety. What we don't want is poor health as a consequence of how we're living. But we need to understand that life, even when it's good, and it's always good, we're going to take a licking. There are setbacks. There are disappointments. And then we make mistakes. It happens. Winston Churchill said it this way. He goes, success consists of going from failure to failure without loss of enthusiasm. And you go, well, that's great. Now, I just ordered a 10-volume set of Winston Churchill's biographies, okay? And it's, it's quite the set. And they say, if I read 30 pages a day, it'll take me four years. And that might be the case. But I'm, anyway, I'm digging in. And Larry Iron is a man I respect a lot. He's the president of Hillsdale College. And he was one of the contributors. So I bought the set. Great stuff. And here's Winston Churchill, right? So he's, he's recognized. Like, there's statues of him all over the place. And there's statues of him right there in London, right across from Parliament. And he's recognized the man that helped save Western civilization during World War II. Yet this was a guy that, you know, he had a career of it. And I'm just going to give you a few of the trips and failures that lad had. So, and I didn't really understand this till I was starting to dig in. He was, throughout his life, he was clumsy. So he was extremely accident-prone his whole life. He bumped his head and broke his foot and crashed his cars and all that kind of stuff. He applied for military school. He was in a boarding school when he was a kid, and he almost didn't make it into school. They had to get all kinds of exceptions and all kinds of other ways for him to get into the school. In World War I, he led the disastrous campaign in Gallipoli and up the Dardanelles, and it was one of the great calamities of World War I. He was in charge of that campaign. It ruined him. It ruined his reputation. He was the rising star in political life in England. And afterwards, uh, he lost his seat in Parliament and basically went back to anonymity, actually became a writer and wrote an autobiography of his great uncle. And so it became a hugely successful book, by the way. But he, he's known it. In World War II, you know, he had a lot of mistakes. Uh, he convinced the Americans, to get into the war, and where he said it'd be easy is to be go into Italy. And uh, anyone who studies anything about World War II knows that German resistance was probably stronger in Italy than anywhere else, the most defended part of the entire continent, and it was a bloody, brutal escapade, the landings at Anzio and so on and so forth. That was Winston Churchill's bright idea. He bungled the defense of Norway during World War II. The very first thing he did was bomb the French fleet right when he took office. And again, he felt he had to do it. So he made a lot of mistakes. He underestimated the Japanese military. He thought the Japanese would be overthrown in about 12 months. Well, that didn't happen. And at the end of the war, when he was victorious and beloved by his people, by the way, was beloved for the rest of his life, he was voted out of office. So when he came up for re-election, he was there throughout the entire war. And when he came up for re-election, they voted him out. By the way, he became prime minister at 66. After the next four-year cycle, 
he went and became prime minister again. So he knew a little bit about failure. So there's a fellow when he says, success consists of going from failure to failure without loss of enthusiasm. There's a great example of the good life. Another reason where life is good but hard is disappointments. Ogmandino, one of my all-time favorites and one of the most influential people in my life that I never got to meet, said, never feel shame for trying and failing, for he who never failed is he who has never tried, right? And again, those sound like platitudes, but they're true. Who's America's Winston Churchill? Well, you could say George Washington, and Washington certainly left an indelible mark, but Abe Lincoln, one of the great presidents of all time. And this is, this is an old seminar talk where people would cover this all over and over again. But again, it's worth noting. He knew about disappointments. He was defeated first time he ran for the state legislature in 1832. He failed in business in 1833. He had a nervous breakdown in 1836. He was uh, defeated for Speaker of the House in 1838. He lost his renomination. He was defeated for the U.S. Senate in 1954. In 1956, he was defeated for vice president. Now, of all the things I mentioned, the vice president of the United States gets to go to funerals. So when you are defeated for being vice president, that is like when you're playing Monopoly and you came in second in a beauty contest and here's 10 bucks. I mean, rough deal. And so here's a man who knew serious disappointments that throughout his biographies he called the shameful experiences of his life. He felt ashamed of these things. They were so disappointing to him. But yet he is recognized, and here we are, 150 years later, talking about Abraham Lincoln and what an influence he had. Mistakes and failures is another part of life is good but hard, and that's when we own it ourselves. You know, it's interesting. I, uh, I'm doing our masterclass events uh, across North America right now, and uh, I'm doing a section on It's a Good Life, and I begin it off with a whole bunch of things that went wrong for me, uh, from my motorcycle accident to my house burning down to a business venture that went sideways to all these different things I did and difficulties I experienced. And out of those things came the good. Out of those things came the making of me. And people can relate to it. And one example of that, I might have been 15 or 17 years into the coaching business. And again, our business, we don't produce widgets or a product or whatever. We change people's lives. That's what coaching does. A coach is a vehicle that takes someone from one place to another. And our coaches take people from one place in their life to another. And we're at it 26 years. And we have thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of these people who changed their business, changed their life, and they're extremely thankful to us. And they're very loyal and very enthusiastic. So one year I decided, uh, along with my brothers, to run the San Diego Marathon. And I decided to take my clients on the journey. A man I've interviewed on this podcast, uh, Hal Higdon, he developed this really cool system on how to run half marathons and full marathons in very bite-sized, digestible processes. So I'm working this way, I'm doing this, and I'm taking my clients on this journey. And a week before the marathon, after six months of training, I tear my hamstring playing the company softball game. I mean, like tear it like it's a ball of jelly behind my kneecap. It took a very long time to recover. And I cannot tell, the notes I got at that time were the most strange and informative notes I ever got. And I, I get a lot of mail, but these were different than anything I'd ever received. And these were all from people who'd been blessed by the work I'd done and the work the company had done. And they went like this. Brian, so sorry to hear you tore your hamstring, but I just want you to know that it's kind of encouraging for me that sometimes you don't get to reach your goals also. Brian, I know you worked very hard for this, but I've been working hard on something for quite some time, and it hasn't happened for me yet. And when someone as successful as you has this happen, it's really encouraging. 
Now, this is, okay, that's interesting. And then another one, then another one, then another one. I got to be honest, at one stage, I was kind of pissed off. I'm like, hang on a second here. I've been busting my hump for years to help these folks and give them every piece of wisdom and insight, built this company that could help them at every hand's turn, do everything we could for them. And yet, what I learned from it was that people can identify with the success, but they can identify with the struggle. And so these very things that we're talking about, whether they're setbacks, disappointments, or mistakes and failures we experience ourselves, it gives us greater compassion, it gives us greater empathy, it gives us greater experience, and it makes us so much more impactful as a human being because we can relate to more people. We can relate to more people. We can genuinely help more people because we've been there, done that. We've suffered with them, we understand it, and we can help them. And so there's power in it all. So we want to be like a Timex, right? We get hit by the baseball bat. We get uh, cranked in the river. We jump off the cliff. We get hit by the sumo wrestler. And uh, you might have had that all happen in the last couple of years of your life. But just like the Timex, we want to keep on ticking. We're reliable. We're going to provide good value, good bang for the buck. And then at the same time, have a bit of fun. Have a bit of crack, as they say in Ireland. We want to have the fun doing it, okay? Thanks, Brian. We're going to pause here today so we can digest all that great content and pick it up in a couple of days to hear how to keep on ticking. Here's Brian's mum, Therese, to send us on our way. May the road rise up to meet you and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time. (laughs) 